there's a saying we say, learning leads to action, action leads to success. So you can learn and learn and learn, but you know, you have to do the action part too to move forward and try it. Like you, you have to give it a try and always try new things. You can be, be willing to learn. We do this stuff for knowledge, you know, knowledge makes you wealthy. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Richard Fowler with me today. Richard, how are things in your part of the world? Where are you at, man? Pretty good. It's a little chilly up here in, uh, I'm in Northeast Ohio, Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame City. So try to stay warm. How are man, you? I'm amazing. I appreciate you asking. So before we dive in, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, I think the best way would be as email. Um, my email's top team for solutions at gmail.com. So that's top team, the number four solutions at gmail.com. Awesome. We'll get it linked up in the show notes for you. All right. So you have done a few deals and I just, I believe we met on LinkedIn. I was like, man, let's let's connect. Let's get some things going. And you started telling me a little bit about your story, but I don't want to steal the thunder. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit about your background? So like I said, I was born and raised here in Canton, Ohio. Lived here all my life. Basically come up through business corporate America, you know, got my business degree, worked my way up to the company. And in 2011, they uh, tapped me on the shoulder and basically said I was part of a an, uh, an experiment pretty much. And so I, I worked at the University of Akron for another seven years with that company. It's doing the same thing. But uh, at that time in 2011, when they did that, I lost my retirement. I don't think they realized it was supposed to be a good thing, right? But anyways, at that moment, I realized, you know, no more 30-year retirement for me. So that's when I started getting in real estate, bought a uh, triplex first thing with uh private money. So I got involved with OPM right away, which was awesome. From there, got my real estate license and flipping. The flipping was a job more than so than anything. Flipping like the Burr method and keeping though. Quickly worked my way up to about 40 units. Um, we also do some hard money, hard money lending as well in that time. But the problem with the single family we found is, you know, like everybody knows, it's it's real good for growing equity, in my opinion. But as far as cash flow, it's uh, you know not so good. It, it varies so much, and the capex ending is kind of kind of wasn't really expecting the capex on forty different houses, you know. So that kind of bit us a little bit. So here recently, we've been um, selling a lot of those off because of the the market's so hot, you know, and we've been able to. Uh, do a couple 1031 exchanges into a nine unit, and then uh, we did a bought a three unit. Um, so we're looking to get keep selling off those singles and work our way up into some larger multifamily properties. Um, we also passively invested last year in a, a deal in North Carolina, looking to do a little bit more of that too as well. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And like 
but it's been a good ride. Well, outstanding. You've been able to jump from one curve to the other, right? Single family, lower cost of entry, lower boundaries, make some money, jump over, trade up. It sounds like uh, Monopoly last time I checked. Yeah, it's, it's been a good ride. It looked pretty good ride. So a lot of work, but good ride. So I, I assume that all of those deals have went exactly how you planned for them to go, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, all of them. So, yeah, the, the, the fix and flip things were pretty tough, um, you know, getting started in that. We, we, we found out pretty quickly that we were paying those, uh, the other people to fix them more than we were making. Um, as far as the nine unit, when we purchased that, we did the 1031s. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier, Jerome. And the, uh, what we didn't realize is some of those houses we have in different businesses and different names, you know, so we have multiple LLCs. And when we sold, we 1031 two of those properties into this nine unit property. Unfortunately, like I said, we didn't realize that those were in two different names. <laughs> For a minute there, we was a little bit worried that we were going to be able to do the 1031s because they called me one day and said that, we can't do this because you have two different entities, you know, two different names. So fortunately we were able to work. I think we talked to some, I think they did like a tenant in commons. So we were able to put both names on. So the taxes flow through uh, lease ways for the first year until we're able to quit claim that into the business names. It kind of had worked out. So it was good. Okay. So that seems like it would have created some additional accounting expenses, probably some additional legal fees. So talk to me a little bit about how you got to the place where it's like they pressed pause on it. Did it delay closing? Like give us all of the implications for having the situation pop up, because I know a lot of people do want to take advantage of deferring taxes by using 1031s, but they may not understand all of the intricacies that go into it. Right. Initially, it was it was the uh, exchange company that reached back to me and said they they, they realized that we, we I didn't even think anything of it. So like you said, to the end there, um, the banks never knew about it. So it was you know on the backside as far as the exchange goes. Um, but like I said, it wasn't too big of a deal. Um, luckily, that when I call I contacted the the attorney that was wor- that I was working with on the deal. He was pretty quick to let us know that he could fix this. You know, it was just a matter of paperwork. And then he had to reach back out to the uh, 1031 exchange and let them know how we were going to proceed with the process. So really no more money. It's just the big problem is, is my personal name is now on that property, right? So it puts me in a little bit more of a risk. So I'd say that was probably one flaw of mine is, you know, having properties in my personal name, which unfortunately, this was one of the only a, a couple that we did have in our name. So it all worked so, out. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. 
If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyUseMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. So, okay, your personal names on the property, along with, I guess, whatever entity went with the 1031, and that gives you, did it give you, does it make you uncomfortable? Like, talk to me about what that, that feels like that your personal name is mixed in with at least one other business and you've got residents. Like, how are you protecting yourself? Right. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, yeah, my attorney, mother, I got a couple of turn, my, my personal attorney, he, he, he looked up my name here recently and we went to do some uh, uh, business stuff or the the one company, um, and he did see that it was, he said, this is kind of odd. It's in your name. He's like, I don't really like that. So, yeah. It, it, it's a little bit nerving. I, I, I got, um, umbrella policies under my personal name, you know, things. So luckily this is a, a good property, but it's just waiting for that time to hopefully, you know, get it quick clean before it's, it becomes an issue. It's kind of, it kind of had to be that way. So, you know, it is what it is for now until we are able to get it quick cleaned over to the business. And so for the listeners who don't know what click claim means, would, would you be able to break that down for us? Uh, a quick claim is just, a, a, uh, it's a deed, quick claim deed, they call it. Uh, so you're able to just uh, basically change the name on the deed to another entity. I'm not sure if I can explain much more than that. It's, it's, it's just a way to, transfer name of the property quickly with, with less cost, I guess. Okay. And so I guess the last thing on this thing is you said that the attorney said basically, Hey man, don't worry about it. I can get this fixed. All I have to do is do a little bit of paperwork. Do you know what that paperwork said or did that allowed you guys to get this thing done? Yeah. So the, basically it was based on the, uh, the amount per each 1031. So the one house sold for, I think it was 125,000 and the other house sold for 60,000 say. So based on, you know, those sales and the percentages is how we proceeded with the 1031 exchange, you know, so the one with the 125,000 a majority ownership versus the uh, personal, which was less. So they, basically put the name and the property into the name of each entity and the percentage that, that was correlated to the 1031 exchanges as far as value. Because uh, I believe most people, some people don't know, and I, I think, uh, you know, that you have to exchange like kind, but also it has to be uh, valued more, right, is my understanding. Also, you have to believe, I believe you have to, get more either more debt or the same you can't get less debt which is surprising i was that was kind of new for me i didn't realize there was you know there's there is a lot to to learn before you, you do this so we also did a another thing we did was get a cost segregation on that property and and long long story but i think maybe we wouldn't even needed to do the cost segregations with or i'm sorry the 1031 exchanges if we would just did the cost segregation, I think we would have got the same results. So at the end of the day, maybe I spent some more money than I should have. I still need to look into that some more and, and see 
it, the cost segregation would have been just as good as doing the 1031 exchange on that building. Okay. And so I didn't know this was a thing, but I guess I should have known. So when you do a 1031, you've got to take ownership in the name of the owner of the property that you're 1031 out of. Right. right? Correct. Yep. And I didn't know that either. That's that, that was because the, the taxes for tax purposes has to flow through that entity. So that's, you know, that's the way the taxes, you know, so they can track that tax. So if you are an owner of something, say you're trying to 1031 out of your personal residence, you have to take ownership of the new property in your personal name. Correct. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so when you quit claim, how does that not blow up the taxes? Because you're basically quit claiming your name off of it so that the ownership of the property goes into the business, right? Right. They, I was told I, I still need to look into some more, but they said as long as that first year of taxes flows through, it should be fine after that. Luckily, though, the business in the uh, personal name is basically, it's the same, right? It's going through our same taxes, personal taxes, so it should flow fine. But yeah, I I still need to follow up. Like I said, it's, it's it, I don't want to blow that up. Right. Because that's a lot of taxes that would have to come due if I do, if they do question that. So for sure. And so have you made any changes to your process to make sure this doesn't happen again? Right. So yeah, I, I looking to do uh, going forward. I think that the process is probably to do maybe uh I think now we're still selling houses. Like I said, we got quite a few. So the idea now is to probably uh, sell those, but I don't think I'm going to do the 1031 exchanges. I'm probably just going to collect those monies and then buy a, uh, a building and do the cost segregation going forward. Just need to work with my tax attorney too, as well to see the uh, savings that's depending on the ways that I also now, now I don't have a, uh, as up to last year, I, I don't have a, a, a day job. So this is my, my business. So I'm working my business now hundred uh, percent as a real estate investor. So that's also helping my taxes. So a lot of things are changing um, for me, you know, going forward. So there's a lot to learn and definitely a lot of more advantages to being full-time real estate investor. Man. Okay, Richard. And so the final question, the way I love to wrap up all these episodes is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? I say that just get involved. Um, learning leads to action is the saying we say. Learning leads to action. Action leads to success. So you can learn and learn and learn, but you know you have to do the action part too to move forward and try it. Like You, you have to give it a try and Always try new things. You can be, be willing to learn. We do this stuff for knowledge. You know, knowledge makes you wealthy. Knowledge makes you wealthy. I love it. Richard, thank you for being so generous with your time and sharing your lessons. We haven't talked about ticks or 1031s at all on this podcast. So I appreciate you opening up our eyes and giving us some insight. I definitely learned something today. I, I'd never connected those dots. So yeah. look forward to talking to you soon. And to the listeners, the pack is with you. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, 
Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. And share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you. Ooh.